Welcome. You've made it to Tough Shit, the podcast that puts your first world problems into perspective. We are your hosts. I am Corey the Cannibal, and across from me is Chris the Cocksmoker. Hi, everybody. <laughs> that was, a, that was, a, was that a mad voice? I don't know, like an evil, scary-sounding oh, guy voice. Okay. I didn't know we were doing voices. No, we did mine I, sound scary? Well, remember, I think last year I did the uh, what did you welcome. Ca- oh, yeah. yeah. What did you call me? Oh, you didn't catch that. Well, it, was, it was a cock smoker? Yeah, Chris the cock smoker. Oh. Well, that's... Hmm. Well, uh, okay. So what I was going to say is you own a smoker pellet grill am i correct yeah i do have you ever cooked chicken on it yeah beer can chicken so i guess that does make me a cock smoker <laughs> <laughs> you cock apparently smoke. <laughs> lots of people have said it must be lots of people have seen it because everybody's just like i know where you live it's where the neighborhood cock smoker is yeah he's always out Down there the end of the road cocks. <laughs> oh that's good ah uh, so yeah you have made it to tough shit we're your hosts Corey and chris that's us uh the usual crap off the top check us out on instagram at ts podcast official we post a picture for every time we do an episode you could follow us on spotify or apple or wherever you get podcasts and leave a rating or review that helps us out that would be awesome you could also consider supporting us directly at the anchor.fm link in the show notes it uh, gives us a little incentive to keep plugging away at what we're doing so shout out to the usuals, uh, Brie Arlene, Sarah M, Kathy M, Sarah J. Thank you very much, everybody. Yeah. I'm, uh, hopefully you're actually still listening. Corey showed me the whatever chart. That Analytics. Shows our, yeah, that shows our listeners. Fucking and nose it's like plummeted, <laughs> plummeted to nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I talked to other people about it. And, you know, my theory of like, well, after spring, everyone was like, fuck it. COVID's done. I'm living my life. That's my theory. You know, so I listen to I a lot of stuff. Online content. Well, that never changed for you, though. Yes. But there's a lot of people who've just been stuck home or whatever, you know, working remote or doing that bullshit. So, anyway. So, yeah. Another thing, real quick. Uh, we want to do another QA episode for fall. So, if you could please send us your questions to toughshitthepodcast at gmail.com. You could send us questions or comments or concerns. Or if you want to give chris a tongue lashing you could do that hey i'm married oh <laughs> is that like a, what's a tongue lashing when someone bitches at you oh not when they like lick someone, you someone has to uh discipline you i guess <laughs> okay you can move your mic up a little bit okay yeah <laughs> now move your filter down a little normally we do this before this well show. we did it before but it's uh it kind of moved so. how's that that's better okay i'm gonna disrupt this again but i left my glasses over there and they're just out of reach so i'll have to reach over and get them at what some point. those no those are my sunglasses Wait, oh, oh it's dark in here though i know yeah we turned the it's lights spooky. up we got ambiance going on because it's spooky season it's it's all that jazz because we like to do something spooky macabre blood and guts horror themed sort of for our october episode i think yeah we've done it one time speaking of happy anniversary christopher why this is two years oh my god it is it's been two years and look how good we are at it now sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) sure thing great i love it like in my if you had asked me well yeah two years ago when we started and like you know, like getting through the first few episodes or several dozen episodes, whatever. And man, I can't wait to like they say practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. And I get better and better and better. And like in my head, in like two years, I'm gonna be 
fucking smoking this shit. And now I don't you're feel smoking like, something. <laughs> I'm not really doing <laughs> you're that <smoking> well. Smoking <laughs> something. <laughs> I don't know. If you were to listen to this episode or a more recent one compared to our first few, I think we're doing better. Yeah. Okay. That's in my personal opinion. <clears throat> anyway, we have a show and we're here to tell you about first world problems and stories and all that shit like we usually do. Uh today's topic is surgery. AKA going under the knife, you know, getting your jacked up body repaired, whatever it may be. <laughs> so surgery. Christopher. What? What is no, so funny? Nothing. Go ahead. I don't know. i <laughs> Do you need the proper definition. <laughs> sure, tell me the fucking proper definition. Definition. Of I love how this bothers you. It does. That I give you the definition of Wait, surgery. No shit. I don't know, but maybe like really our... though, if you thought I was that stupid, you should tell me ahead of time. Because like I'm gonna wait till like yeah, like you give me the proper definition of surgery, and then like I'm like oh fuck, well this story isn't gonna work because it's about cars or something. Like I I don't know what surgery is. No, go ahead, tell me what surgery is. Okay. The definition is a branch of medicine concerned with diseases and conditions requiring or amendable to operative or manual procedure. A lot of words. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of fucking words. <laughs> like, well, great. No, my story is wrong now, so I can't do it. Oh, so really? The whole <laughs> yeah. show's fucked. Yeah. Here we go. I mistook surgery for jogging again. <laughs> <laughs> Went for a jog, got my dick cut off. <laughs> uh, okay, All right. continue. So, yeah. Anyway, with surgery, some of the first world complaints. The big one that comes to mind for me is uh, the cosmetic surgery in the sake of vanity. You know, nose jobs, boob jobs, fake asses that look like you're smuggling concrete in your butt, etc. Like, just because you don't like it, not for any real purpose. That's my thought on a first world issue regarding surgery. Okay, I guess I hadn't thought about first world stuff. I was just thinking about like how easy it is now. I mean, that well, is the, for patients, not the for entire the theme of the show. Okay, you know uh, <laughs> the podcast that puts your first you world know, problems I, into perspective. I used to watch a lot of Nip Tuck, mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm kind of an expert. In now you're busy surgery. just doing the tuck. Yeah, I well, there was an episode <laughs> where the one guy had uh, he got testicle implants because he wanted bigger balls. So you had to pick that. And then there was another Nudicles? one. where the And this one always blew my mind. And maybe it was just, I mean, I realized that it's a television show. Mm -hmm. But a guy got calf implants. Yeah. Like, you can get implants per, for pretty much anything, Why don't you just work out your legs a little bit, though? Because that's hard. <laughs> People are I lazy. never got it. I just never got it. Yeah. But I can understand there's probably certain situations where cosmetic surgery is necessary. Yeah. Oh, it's and, usually like reconstruct, like- Okay, I got a nose job. Why? Why? It's like, well, I couldn't breathe properly or bad sinuses or something. Like, yeah, that's Mandy under had surgery. See? Yeah. Like, for, that's yep, understandable. Um, I do. This was, I felt so, I felt kind of stupid the other day because, like, I read two books for mm -hmm. this episode. Yes. So now I am an expert. I'm like, sure. Like, I'm smarter than most surgeons. <laughs> oh, really? But then I remember that my cousin's a surgeon and she was here the other day. <laughs> and she was actually, I won't, I won't get into it, but she was showing me some. Uh, some examples of cosmetic surgery that she's been involved in, but for not for what do I want to say, not for vain reasons, but because something happened. To oh, somebody. okay. Um, it was pretty wild. In fact, I was showing her some stuff I was reading about, and just she's just rattling off. She's like, "Oh, I got to do one of those on Tuesday," which just blew my mind. <laughs> so it was fun to actually talk to a surgeon. Who That'd be funny if you were talking to her and she had a book of like water well repairs, and you're like, "Hey, I got to do one of those." On Tuesday. <laughs> 
There is nothing more boring than that. I have been working for this company for 10 years. I've managed to pass one test because every time I open one of those books on water, whatever, well disinfection pumps and all that, uh-huh. it's the equivalent of going to church. I fall asleep immediately yeah. and regret ever trying it. Yeah, there's some things I, yeah, I can, yeah. Like, with the safety training and stuff, same boat. <laughs> like, Ugh. holy fuck. But anyway, all right. So that's the first world complaints. Do you have a personal story? Do you, do you ever get surgery? I have a ton of them. I got a whole list here. You, you want me to start? You've had surgeries? Yes. Really? Yep. Go ahead. Okay. I'm Ready? looking at you with caution. One. Yeah. Undescended testicle when I was born. Only had one ball. So they ah. cut into it and drag the other one down. Some people would claim Don't that even it... remember that, do you? Huh? You no, were... I remember. How old? I was a baby. <laughs> I was like, I don't even think I'd left the hospital yet. You don't fucking remember that. Well, somebody told me it happened, but then other people <laughs> there's, See? there's other people who claim that like maybe they never did bring the other ball down. But I assure you they they, <laughs> they, they put did. the other one back up in. Yeah. Just like <laughs> they gave me the choice when I was a baby. I said, oh, you, I'm gonna be a lady. <laughs> would you like an awkward flap of skin or two balls? <laughs> no other choice. I didn't want to get stuck on anything. No, I, I uh <laughs> What are you gonna have I, your nuts hanging out the window? Huh? What you didn't want it to get stuck? Well, I hadn't really thought it through. Although I did get you were also a baby, so you had no choice. Yeah. Okay. What's your other surgery? <laughs> well, that was um. Oh, I got stitched. <laughs> I guess it's a surgery. I was no. gonna say fifth grade math class. I dropped a ruler in my leg and cut it open. I had to get stitches. Oh, okay. So that's not really a surgery. No, that's just a first aid treatment. Wait okay. a minute. Let me see if there's anything else. One time, a dog bit through my eyelid, but then I didn't do anything about that either. Okay. So I guess the dog kind of did surgery on my eyelid. But then just didn't sew it up. So you got a really cheap eyelid job. Yes. Okay. All I right. I thought I had a lot, but I guess I don't. Uh, okay. That's that's fine. So thankfully, I haven't had to get any major surgery, although I probably need to sooner than later. But technically, getting your wisdom teeth yanked out is a surgery. Oh, I did that too. So that's all I got to work with. Uh, I remember it being really fucked up after it. And asking the nurse if I could have some of the gas so I could share it with my buddies at our boozing cabin. That was really nice of you. I know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Did like, I just get... remember kind of coming to and everyone fucking laughing at me. So oh, I you're must... high as fucking I know. I must have been saying just absurd shit. So, um, but that's all I got for surgery, so. I got my wisdom teeth taken out. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Because then I went home. And I, well, I was dating a girl at the time, I pre- and I always attributed us breaking up to my horrible breath because I couldn't, because, you know, they pack your mouth full of, like, gauze and shit. Uh-huh. And, like, you can't brush your teeth for, like, six fucking days. I vaguely remember oh, all God. this. So I yeah. sat in the basement, and I played, uh, oh, motherfucker. What was it called? It was a video game on PlayStation 2. Oh, I'm going to think about it. It was awesome. What uh, what was the premise? It was kind of like Red Country. Not was it? What was the the Red movie o- where the Russians come in? Uh, Red Dawn. Yeah. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. The one in New York City. Yes. Okay. The subways. Shit. Like, yeah. What was that? I, I had it on GameCube. Oh, so good. So good. I'll Shit, think about I, it. I know I'll, what game you're I'll talking look it about. Up. Yeah. But oh, I have one more. But you played that and then lost your girlfriend because you were busy in a basement playing video games with shitty breath. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, which honestly, like, that could have happened before the surgery, too. <laughs> yeah, s- surgery aside, that was probably going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, you still deal. had shitty breath just playing video games in a basement. hang out with me or are you going to keep playing Beyond Good and Evil? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, the new Fable's coming out. <laughs> did my, my, 
with that injection I got, would that count as surgery? Did you go under? No, but he did pull my pants down in front of everybody. No, God. Okay. No, You're having a rough I, go with how. I guess that's all I got. Okay. <laughs> oh, we should shout out who came up with the surgery. Oh, yeah, my wife. Thank you, Ashley. <clears throat> yeah, because we were struggling. We were, yeah, we wanted to come up with something. Yeah, something macabre, blood and guts. And she's like, yeah, why don't you guys do surgery? Never like, even thought about yeah, it. Oh, wow, that's brilliant. So. And now I've really enjoyed reading about it. Yeah. Yeah. It is going to get bloody. It is. Do you have anything else you're supposed to say before we do the show? Uh, no, the only other thing I had was please be sure to share the show. That would be awesome. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> I don't think I got anything else yeah. on here. Okay. And send us your questions. We got like three so far. but That's enough. No, we need more. Send them all. Send, it doesn't matter. Send us your dumbest questions. That's great. Uh, All right. So I did not look up to see who went first last time. <gasps> so what are we going to do? I don't know. You can wait a few awkward minutes while I look. No, no. Let's rock, <laughs> let's rock scissors paper for it. Okay. Actually, no, never mind. I was going to say we could do something surgically themed, like I cut you open, but that would That's work. a poor decision. Okay, ready? So we go rock, scissors, paper, I go on shoot. shoot. I go one, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. Yes. Okay, ready? Yeah. Wait. One, one two, two, three, shoot. shoot. So I smashed your scissors. So you get a choice. Man, this is tough. Mm-hmm. I'll, do you want me to go? I'll go first. It's your choice. Okay. All right. I'll just do it. Ladies' choice. Um, my, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what we should mention is that I never thought, I just remembered we both, this is the first time, like we didn't use, we didn't, we're not telling the same story, but oh, we yeah, each yeah. used the same author Yeah, we both, books both realized after the fact that we both found the same author of books. She's wonderful. Lindsay oh, Fitzharris. Great. Yeah. Yes. So I really enjoyed reading the book I used for this. Okay. Um oh, and if you get on her blog, mm-hmm. she has a really good article on uh, sin eating. It was way remember the Jabs episode? I <laughs> I looked up some of her stuff when we did last year's funeral episode. Oh, okay. Like I think some of hers and um the other Caitlin lady. Doty. Is that the Ask a Mortician? I think so. She's written a couple books. Yeah. Smoke gets in your eyes. Yeah, that might be her. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Let's get into it. Let's go. It's spooky. It's spooky. Let me cut your brain open and see what's inside. I don't think there's much in there. Come on, let me get in there. Let me get in that mind camper. I'm horrified (laughs) of aneurysms. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I did did some reading on them during this. Well, if I cut cut your head open, it'll relieve the uh, pressure, right? That's no, we're not doing that. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> right, this one on. is like to the fucking point. Like this is I was telling you earlier, this is exactly this is what you want me to do. I mm-hmm. get it. Okay. Okay. How very thoughtful. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, wait, can you talk for a minute? Sure. What's going on? I'm gonna see if I can get my glasses. Say something are they, are they interesting. In the front room? No, they're right here. Okay. Say something interesting. Something interesting. Keep going. I'm I'm going. Watching him bend awkwardly. Okay, that's all you had to do. Got him. Okay. You didn't even need to take your headphones off for that. Well, I didn't want to yank him out of the thing. Okay. The mic jack. Okay, ready? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Come so, on, old ball flap here. This one's, <laughs> this one's called. Uh, <laughs> this one's called. Gird your loins. The fastest knife in the West End has no time for testicles. Ugh. <laughs> okay, it'll make sense in a minute. All right. Okay. Everyone take a moment and conjure up an image in your heads of a modern surgical theater. Use whatever crutch you need. Grey's Anatomy, ER, House, Seinfeld, whatever. 
The clean white walls, green smocks, the masked surgeon and his or her assistants, the bright domed light hanging from the middle of a high-ish ceiling lending a gleam to a series of stainless steel scalpels, all in a row on a small table beside the patient. The patient themselves covered by a white sheet, the area of incision being the only bit of flesh still exposed. Her mind is far away, the anesthesia providing complete unawareness. George Clooney's icy blue eyes settle on the closest knife. He picks it up and lowers it down, tracing a thin red line across pale skin, just above an unassuming belly button. Hours later, the patient slowly wakes up, a little foggy, but no worse for the wear. Next to her warm bed is a pile of books for when her head clears, and beside them, a bouquet of yellow flowers, softening the antiseptic hospital smell enough to make it tolerable. The thought that anything could have gone wrong during the operation or afterwards, or that her surgery was anything more than simply routine, is a thought that barely registers, hardly a blip on her internal radar. She'll be back home in a couple of days, and back to the grind a couple of weeks after that. On with her life, as if there ever could have been any other outcome. It's nice, right? Sounds good, but go on. I mean, it's close to the mark. What's, what's the catch? I mean, that's kind of what you had in mind. When yeah, you think yeah. Of surgery that's now. what I think of surgery, modern surgery. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's all well and good, and I'm sure that she recovers nicely and lives a long, healthy life. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But it's Halloween, oh. and this boring ass scene just won't do. We want blood, guts, and screaming horror. So let's ah! get us some. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's how I scream in agony. Uh, yeah, so let's get us some. Let's dial this scene back about 200 years. Yeah. Dig our unwashed hands deep into our waistcoat pocket and drag out our grimy, greasy Victorian lens. Hold the cloud, <laughs> hold the cloudy glass eye up to your... Oh, God, I already fucked it up. <laughs> All right, hold the cloudy glass up to your eye and re-examine this routine surgery. But now the backdrop has changed. Gone are the clean walls, the bright white lights, the hand washing, and really any good chance of recovery. All All replaced by a dark surgical theater in one of the most disgusting places to ever have existed on planet Earth. 19th century London. I like talking about how gross London is. I get a kick out of it. Anyway, today's, (laughs) today's story takes us to the turning point in the history of surgery. Well, at least to the cusp of the turning point in the history of surgery. The latter half of the 19th century saw Joseph Lister revolutionize the surgical world, and really just the world in general, with his advocacy of antiseptics and the spreading acceptance of germ theory. Mm -hmm. However, accepting the fact that Dr. Lister's valiant efforts helped shape the medical world into what it is today, it also saw the late 19th century century patients looking at hospitals with more hope than horror, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But for today's holiday episode, it just won't do, which is why we're going to firmly plant ourselves in the first half of the 19th century, back when hospitals were more akin to what we'd see today as like a really big budget haunted house, Mm -hmm. albeit one where upon entering, there was a very real chance that you were going to die. These were dense, imposing buildings of brick and stone, long, dark hallways filled with screaming pain. They reeked of death of rot, of limbs and corpses, despair. Dark-eyed men with knives stalked back and forth down the halls, themselves draped in robes and frocks that were stiff with crusty, dried blood. And they were the doctors. They had had crocs with blood? Frocks! Oh, I'm sorry. They said bloody crocs. You're just wearing crocs, so you heard crocs. (laughs) A frock. Did I take you out of the moment? A frock is a jacket or a coat. Listen, you frocker, get to it. Anyway, so... (laughs) So those guys I'm were liking the doctors. It. It's going good. This is good. 
Um, seriously though, like these places were a literal fucking horror show, and like, like a horror show that was trying a little too hard. Yeah, it's bad. But fear not. Uh, our tour guide today through the blood-soaked, blood-soaked London is as steady and dependable as they come. Just watch your balls, boys. There was that one time. But <laughs> we'll get into that a little later. Who is this man's man? This giant of butchers? A man who Popeyed his way through surgeries with a left hand so strong he could use it as a tourniquet? Ugh. None other than the epitome of what any Victorian-era surgeon could ever hope to be. Dr. Robert Liston. The fastest wife. No, the, the fastest, the fastest wife? wife in the oh, West End. Man. Oh man! you had me say Got to the punchline and you blew it. I did. <laughs> the fastest knife in the West End. Ching. A fast wife would just be a cheating wife. I know, just be a whore. Yeah. Uh, Where you been, woman? Don't you worry about you. Too fast for me. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he's the fastest knife in the West End. Yeah. The West End of London, that is. Yeah. Which, as I mentioned up top during the first half of the 19th century and the second, was the city equivalent of an open wound. Damn. I mean, a real pus-filled shit-house fuck ditch of a city. I spent <laughs> I spent enough time a couple of years ago, I think, in my slumming story, mm-hmm. uh, painting a picture of just how bad London was around this time. So I'll try and be brief in providing an image of Victorian London, so you can all like just so you get can keep idea. it in your heads. Yeah, like mm-hmm. get the smell of it stuck in your nose. Yep. So here's, here's my best description of London. Imagine a, thou- imagine a thousand homeless prostitutes all having simultaneous abortions in a small one-bedroom apartment that they share with 500 drunk and starving factory workers, all of whom are bleeding to death from where an arm used to be before a steam-powered terror machine turned it to a red pulp. And at the same time, every one of them is screaming like a demon while one guy is beating a dog to death in the corner of the room. Oh, and everybody else is shin deep and hangover pissed that they just can't seem to bucket out fast enough. Sounds lovely. That's pretty much 1800s <laughs> London. Oh, yeah. Disgusting. That Fucking is the wretched. smell that is in my nose Ugh. from reading about it. God. So, this is where Robert List- Liston called home. Quaint, right? And yes. if you have it in your head that the hospitals in London at the same time were some sort of island of respite and order in an ocean of insanity, you'd be very wrong. And honestly, probably dead, too, for being stupid and naive in a city where that equates to a death sentence. When I say that Victorian hospitals inspired more horror than hope, I mean it. It's where people went to die. The idea of cleanliness as a priority in a medical setting bordered on being dismissed as superstition. To suggest that it could sway the outcome of a surgery one way or the other would see you shelved with all those whack-job mesmerists. Blood speckled the walls, the floors, and the hospital staff themselves. The smell of piss, shit, and death was ever-present and clung to medical staff long after their shifts were over. So the like s- the carny, like a carnival. Yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> like, like a carnival porta potty And they're both for poor people. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, like the carny. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, and it would cl- like the smell would cling to medical staff long after their shifts were over especially the surgeons, who were given a wide berth even after a change of clothes. The stink of people's insides clinging to their skin, their hair, and the undersides of their fingernails, like a shroud they could never slough off. Excuse me. It was, it, was among, <laughs> it was among these phantoms that Robert Liston stood, head and shoulders above his peers. Quite literally, in fact. At six foot two, he was a good foot or more taller than the average Englishman at the time. And strong, built like a bear with the dexterity of a seamstress, 
Witnesses to Liston's countless amputations said that his vice-like grip was so powerful that he could use his left hand as a tourniquet during leg amputations. Squeezing the thigh, the thigh so tightly as to stem the flow of blood as his right hand wielded a knife of his own design, sawing away at the leg above the knee until it came free into the arms of a waiting assistant, who had promptly tossed it into a box of sawdust. And when he needed both hands free to work at a joint or draw a flap of skin down around the stump, mm-hmm. he bite down on the blade of the knife. His teeth bared as his hands worked, his spit mixing in with the blood and running down his chin. Ugh. And once the arteries were tied off and the flap was sewn shut, Liston would, and this is real, mm-hmm. Liston would carve another notch into the wooden handle of his blade, like oh. some sort of reverse metal as hell <laughs> serial killer. <laughs> Saved another one. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> That's pretty brutal. And actually, just a quick aside, doing some reading into this, it's uh, suspected that um, Jack the Ripper, the knife he used, mm-hmm. was a Liston knife. Oh. Because they came, they became pretty popular, so they started kind of mass producing them. Gotcha. Yeah. So Wasn't kinda... there a theory that he was a kind of a surgeon or a doctor who knows there's, there's so a many bunch of fucking... stuff he was a fucking was a royal or employed yeah. by the royals and yeah it's fun to read about though mm-hmm. that's back when conspiracy theories were cool when they were fun yeah let's i mean except it, for the women that were murdered let's make them fun again anyway <laughs> um now how many notches ended up on the handle of that knife i couldn't tell you but i'm sure that it was no small number as liston enjoyed a long and storied career Robert began his studies at Edinburgh. Edinburgh? Edinburgh. I think it's Edinburgh. I don't know. I'll ask the only English person I know the next time I see him. Oh, eventually. that's right. He would know. <laughs> well, yeah. today, I sound smarter when I say Edinburgh. Edinburgh. So anyway, <laughs> Robert began his studies at the Edinburgh Medical School <laughs> in 1808 at the age of 14. All right. Was assistant uh, to Doctor <laughs> was assistant to Doctor John Barclay by sixteen and was house surgeon at the Royal Infirmary of Edinburgh by the time he was twenty four. It's in Edinburgh where Doctor <laughs> You're really going with that, aren't you? It's in Edinburgh where Doctor Liston built a reputation uh, that would follow him for the rest of his life. He became known as not only physically strong, but as strong willed, and as a man with strong opinions and even stronger principles. Liston was unbendingly charitable. Uh, and cared deeply for the welfare of his patients. Much of his time in Edinburgh was spent in the slums, caring for the poor and the forgotten. He reveled in taking on cases that his colleagues regarded as lost causes, cementing him as a saint in the eyes of those that he saved, and his showy in the eyes of his peers. Mm-hmm. It was his showiness, along with Liston's high, along with Liston's high-minded morals um, and confrontational character, that saw him clash often with the other doctors and medical staff in Edinburgh. In one particularly memorable episode, Liston physically attacked a colleague of his, a Dr. Robert Knox, during one of Knox's classes in front of a gallery of students. Knox was about to perform a public dissection of a corpse that he'd recently acquired, that of a young woman. Liston recognized the poor girl as a former patient of Knox's who'd gone missing. After a disagreement between the two doctors on her treatment a few months earlier, that young woman, Mary Patterson, mysteriously disappeared. Hmm. Liston suspected Knox was involved, and when he discovered Mary's corpse laid out nude on a dissecting table in front of a room of young men, some of whom Liston knew had slept with the young woman, Dr. Knox included, Hmm. it proved to be too much for him. In front of Knox's student, uh, Liston knocked Knox to the ground and had Mary's body removed from the hall immediately to be buried with the respect that he felt she deserved. 
And this was kind of, well, again, that not cool. Sounds like some good professional discipline amongst he, colleagues. Yeah, well, <laughs> this guy was a fucking wad. Yeah. Knox, I did a little more reading on him. But Burke and Hare mm-hmm. are given, like, uh, for killing this woman. Oh. The grave robbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it William Burke? And I can't remember. Yeah, I think. But, yeah. So, anyway. Um, it was confrontations like this, and there were many, that eventually saw the end of Robert Liston's career in Edinburgh. But Edinburgh's loss was London's gain, as, in 1835, Liston became the first professor of clinical surgery at London's University College Hospital. It was here, over the course of the next decade or so, where Liston cemented his reputation as the fastest knife in the West End. Ching. Yeah, yes, that's exactly <laughs> how they sounded in 19th century London. They were switchblades. Do that again. Ching. Yeah, just like no, that. No, switchblades... Oh, so what's a shing? That's like when you pull a sword out of a sheath. They're not using swords. Mini swords. Okay. I'll take it. So real quick. (laughs) Come on. So, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Well, then my next line was, here's the thing to keep in mind about surgery at this time, and it's that they all use swords. No. (laughs) Here's the thing to keep in mind about surgery at this time. Yes. And for the thousands of years before Liston's career. Proper anesthesia had not been invented yet. Just something to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. So We're doing it live. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so though some saw Liston's speed with a knife as showiness, uh, Liston looked at it as simply necessary. Mm-hmm. In order to minimize pain, trauma, and death, procedures, especially amputations, were performed as quickly as possible. And no one was faster than Dr. Robert Liston. A Liston surgery was an event. There's a very good reason it's called a surgical theater. Compounding this was the fact that there weren't really all that many invasive surgeries uh, as the pain involved made them like a last resort. Oh, man. I just, I, for some reason, I just pictured like when he was fighting with Knox. It's like Stone Cold versus The Undertaker, surgical theater. Like the music oh, comes yes. on. This is. He <laughs> comes out. He's huge, you know. Like they this, start is ba- fighting. this is back when surgeries were fake. They were all scripted. Like he comes swinging out of the fucking rafters and just yeah <laughs> slams him through the, the, the operatory table. Sla- Get over here! Yeah. Fucking slams him on the table. <laughs> the announcer's going nuts. It's fake blood. Thick English accents. Oh, I blind you! <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I never I know, thought right? of that. Yeah, that's hmm. great. All right. Where the <laughs> fuck was I? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my God! So look. anyway, they, yeah, these were last resorts at the time um, because they were obviously incredibly fucking painful. This yeah, is no one wanted show. surgery right. back then. Surgeons mostly concentrated on surface level procedures: uh, open wounds, removal of growths, setting broken bones, etc. Uh, but the big ticket crowd pleasers were far and away the amputations. Nothing gave surgery legs like sawing off legs. Mm. And University College London was a teaching hospital which meant that each case to enter her walls was an opportunity to learn and advance the skill set of uh, the medical profession. Enter the surgical theater. Picture the surgical theater from the Junior Min episode of Seinfeld. Oh, here we go. Actually, don't forget that. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's nothing like that. <laughs> I just had to say something. Something about Seinfeld? Yeah, that's uh, twice now. But, that's uh, like every episode now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's more. It's actually It's more like, okay, it's more like a small football stadium made entirely of wood with no lights save a few candles, and the only guy streaking is doing it on a blood-soaked wooden table where he's about to get his leg cut off by a bald man in a waistcoat with blood up to his elbows. It's more like that. Yeah. So, like, it's like really close to a football stadium. At like the t- <laughs> Football or football? 
I, I was just, never mind. I was just listening <laughs> to a history of football. Come on, England. Uh, anyway, there's, there's a bunch of different clubs. It's not just England. Anyway, uh, so yeah, <laughs> at the top of the theater was a skylight to allow sunlight in to operate by. Mm-hmm. In the case of a cloudy day, surgeons would work entirely by candlelight, which is just, I can't get the image out of my head of just like, these are the flickering shadows that flames give off. Yeah. How can you do detailed work when you're just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we can barely run a podcast in a room that we turned the light off in. Yeah. With our computer monitors lighting things It is up. nice, though, because I've got my socks off since you can't see my toes as well. I can smell them. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like, they, if it was cloudy, they work entirely by candlelight. The audience at these horror shows consisted of assistance to the operating surgeon on the floor and the lowermost levels of the stadium seating. Beyond them were medical staff and students, uh, important blokes and pillars of society types. And then in the nosebleed were anyone with a means to buy a ticket to the show. All right. And they sold tickets. Like I'm People sure. straight up bought tickets to go watch this stuff. Uh, once everyone had found their seats and the din quieted to a low murmur, the patient would be escorted out on the floor and laid down on a wooden table that, as I mentioned before, was dark with years of blood soaked into its fibers. Like, even the jackets they wore, mm-hmm. they never cleaned them. Yeah, It was like a badge of honor to pass, walk around with a blood pass these, like, smock. robes down. Yeah. Ugh. Covered in just stink. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, once on the table, assistants would hold the poor wretch down as best they could for the duration of whatever the operation might have been. And to say that the patients were happy to cooperate would make you a fucking liar. (laughs) They screamed, they cried, they kicked and bit and fought. Some would run from the table out of the operating theater mid-procedure, a trail of blood ensuring that they were easy to track. In one noteworthy case, a patient about to undergo a removal the removal of the bladder stone by Liston himself fled the hall in terror and locked himself in a bathroom. Liston chased him down, where, and when he found the bathroom door locked, he kicked the door in, breaking the lock, then grabbed a hold of the patient who screamed bloody murder as Liston dragged him back to the theater where he was then strapped down hard to the table. How fucking badass is that? Hey, he's married to the job. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's committed. I honestly can't blame the guy. Just for oh, this, the thought like, of that, yeah. As this particular procedure involves a long <laughs> hooked metal tube, a thick wooden dowel, and an unwashed hand the size of a grapefruit, more or less, inside of your rectum. Ah. Mercifully, it didn't last long. Just like Nick Cage, the bladder stone was gone in 60 seconds. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've had some awful jokes this week. I guess so, yeah. I gotta tell you my dolphin when we were done. All right. Anyway, uh, Liston's, <laughs> Liston's bedside manner wasn't always this aggressive. In the case of a 12-year-old boy named Henry Pace, Liston was as gentle as he could be. Pace was to have his leg amputated due to the tubercular swelling of his knee. When he asked Liston if it would hurt or not, Liston replied by saying, quote, No more than having a tooth out. That's my Liston accent. Oh, okay. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Liston had Pace blindfolded, and it took six strokes of the saw before his leg dropped. Pace counted each stroke at 12. Ugh. One, two, three, four. Five, six, done. As I said, speed was necessary to minimize both the physical and mental trauma that was the baggage of 19th century surgeries. Oftentimes, Liston could be, or oftentimes, Liston could have a leg off in under a minute, sometimes less than 30 seconds. It's impressive. Yeah, it's wild. Um, Liston saw this as the only humane method at his disposal. Get it done quick, stitch him up, move on. Liston cared deeply for his patients, and he saw his swiftness in surgery as the only small mercy that he could provide for them. However, 
others saw this they saw it as a like reckless showmanship mm. that not only put the patient at risk but his assistants as well are you not entertained <laughs> oh is that the wrestling thing again yeah yeah wait wasn't that gladiator oh that was yeah gladiator are you not entertained but then the breaking glass and the stone cold music's wrestling <laughs> Christ. Where the fuck was I? I didn't expect any wrestling talk from this. Hey, you're, right. you're painting the picture here. I'm I just am. going with it. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they saw him as reckless. Um, the numbers don't really support this, though. As 9 out of 10 patients that found themselves on Liston's table survived the surgery. Hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't the odd incident here or there. There was, of course, the one poor bastard that not only lost his leg to Liston's, life, to Liston's wife. <laughs> his, wife slut. Is, his wife is brutal. Oh, my God. Um, <clears throat> the one poor bastard that lost not only his leg to Liston's knife, but one of his testicles, too. Oof. In this case, Liston's knife was so fast and his patient's balls were so long that one of them got cleaved off along with the leg. He cut that fucking quick. He didn't see a ball there, and he cut the fucking guy's nut right off. See, that 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 hits close to me as a sufferer of LBS. I thought of you the whole time. Every yep. time I wrote long balls. <laughs> <laughs> long ball syndrome. <laughs> That's actually, that one story, that derailed, this whole story was going to be on Joseph Lister, but I read about this guy cutting a guy's ball off oh, on accident. God. Changed the whole thing. So anyway, <laughs> uh, this is unfortunate. Yes, but since the guy is long dead, it's fucking hilarious now. That's just, I like yeah. it. Good, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Time, time heals all <laughs> yes, wounds. Yes, it does, right? except for that guy. <laughs> um, it is not, however, Liston's worst moment in the theater. The clear winner there was the day that he worked his knife with such blazing speed that he managed to cut off three of his assistant's fingers and slash the coat of a spectator while changing blades. Holy fuck. Both the patient... And the fingerless assistant died of gangrene shortly afterwards, Ugh. and the slashed bystander died on the spot from fright. <laughs> Holy according, shit. Yes. According to Lindsay Fitzharris, it is, quote, the only surgery in history said to have had a 300% fatality rate. <laughs> Again, horrible at the time. Yeah. Like, just the... Just I because I love the image of his like these fingers. Of course, might have just tumbled down cartoon like, and then yeah. he just like, well, got another knife then. <laughs> it's like slashes this fucking guy. He just grabs his chest like, <gasps> and then, ah, <laughs> uh, that was something to see. Uh, anyway. <laughs> As horrifying a spectacle as this was, it was by no means the status quo. Uh, Robert Liston saw far more success than he ever did failure. But perhaps his greatest contribution to medical science came on a historic day in December of 1846. This is the turning point that I alluded to earlier. Up until then, surgery had changed very little throughout its history. Sure, tools improved, methods varied, uh, but it was more or less uh, still skilled butchering. Winging it, yeah. Yes. Um, from the first suspected surgery around 31,000 years ago to the Greeks and the Romans to even the weird Renaissance surgeries where surgeons were directed by a physician up on a podium while men in tights played flutes flutes to set the mood. Huh. Surgery was essentially the same as it had always been. Yep. That, and that, I, God, I, I read about that later on. I did a whole show on the men who played flutes at surgery, <laughs> in surgeries. But that all changed on December 21st, 1846. That was the day that Frederick Churchill would have his leg amputated, amputated by Robert Liston. What made it special was that it would be the first time that surgical ether would be used outside of dental work. 
anesthesia had finally been discovered. Mm -hmm. The two things that had always held surgeons back from more invasive surgeries were pain and infection. On this day, hundreds of spectators at the London University Hospital would witness the cure for pain. And, among, and one among their number would be so inspired that we make it his life's work to conquer the other, infection. Frederick Churchill had a mask put over his face. He inhaled the vapors deeply, like that, mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and was unconscious in seconds. A cloth soaked in ether was placed over his mouth to ensure they stayed that way. Dr. Robert Liston turned to his audience and said, now famously, quote, Now, gentlemen, time me. Hundreds of pocket watches opened all at the same instant, setting the hall ringing with metallic clicks. Yeah, that's actually pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it took 28 seconds for Liston to remove Churchill's leg. Holy yes. fuck. Afterwards, he and his assistants tied off the arteries and sewed up the stump and dressed the wound. Reportedly, the 36-year-old Churchill came to shortly after, to the roaring delight of the crowded theater, blearily looked past his elevated stump and asked Liston when the surgery would begin. Wow. I had no fucking idea. Ah, good. Robert then turned to the stands and said, quote, This Yankee Dodge gentleman beats mesmerism hollow. <laughs> yeah, you're nailing this He one. sounds so stupid. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so to say that this changed the world would be the understatement of understatements. This is not the end of the story, but it pretty much is the end of Liston's story. He'd be dead within the year. Liston passed away on the 7th of, October, of, de of December, uh, 1847, from an aneurysm. The use of surgical ether following Liston's landmark surgery the year before his death exploded. No pain meant there was nothing holding back surgeons from digging deeper and deeper into their fellow man than they ever, ever dared to do before. Mm -hmm. A world without pain was all well and good, but it also meant that the only restraints yet surgeons were tethered by had been cut, and dirty hands were finding their way into places they'd never been. Anesthesia exploded, yes, but so did infection. Remember that this was a time when doctors thought that pus was a normal part of the healing process, and germ theory was still scoffed at. Yep. Luckily for us, though, a young Quaker in the theater on the day of Churchill's remarkable surgery thought differently. It would take a few more decades, but Joseph Lister, inspired by what he saw that day, would change the world even further as a pioneer of antiseptic surgery. And if he'd spent a little less time dissecting frogs and a little more time accidentally cutting off men's testicles, then we would have talked a little bit more about him today. <laughs> and that's the only way I could end it. Uh, like, I was going to just do, like, I read a whole book on Joseph Lister. Yeah. It was fascinating. Yeah. One blip in the beginning where some guy cuts off somebody's fucking nuts. Sent you off. And I just like, I couldn't get it out of my head. I read a whole book. I read another book on top of that. Yeah. I still just, I was obsessed over it. Wow. So, that's, so you read all of Butchering Art? Yeah, I read the Butchering Art, and then, here, hang on. Okay. Wait, where'd it go? I'll, I'll pick it up before we get done. That's fine, yeah. I read another book, too. Okay. It's the picture book. <laughs> okay, the picture book. Well, there's pictures in it. I shouldn't say it's a picture book. Okay. No, that was good. Like I, I had known some of the some of those things. Uh, well, I know Robert Liston's somebody that's obviously very well known. Yeah, and I'd heard of him before, but just, I just, it's just so wild. Yeah, getting some just, of those stories is just—he was just the epitome of just like just fucking doing it, man. Mm -hmm. Like he's Sounds a monster. It. Yeah, but a good guy. Yeah, where he seemed like him and Joseph Lister both seem like really good. Just they—they they actually cared. Yeah, because th this was at a time like. When hot, poor people went to hospitals, this wasn't like, you know, now with, like insurance just fucks everybody. It's a scam, like, yeah. 
um, the like if you could afford to have surgery done at home, mm-hmm. you were like two or three times more likely to live because fucking hospitals were cesspools. Yeah, like people gross. went and fucking died. Yep. But it was just that's where poor people went to. But their bedside manner, some of these guys are just wild. Mm-hmm. Real quick, this like uh Joseph Lister, mm-hmm. one of his stories. Um, I just thought this was so fucking cool. So he did I can't remember what the hell he did, this girl's face. Eight year old girl. Yeah. He had to do surgery on her face. And she brought this doll with her. Her doll or fucking comforter or whatever. And the leg was missing. So like this was this assistant watching it afterward, like stitched her up. And this little girl, like that, Joseph Lister's, like, and he's a celebrity at this point, getting a leave. She reaches out with a doll and just looks at him. And he sits back down, gets his kid out, all of his stuff back out, and sits with this little girl and sews the leg back on. Oh, really? And gives it back to her. And like the assistant just talking about like the look going between these two. I don't know. Like he oh, would, that's very he'd sweet. use people's names. He wouldn't use case numbers. Yeah. But there were some good people that really. I mean, I don't know, propelled this forward. Well, I, I think the whole concept of, like, I want to be a doctor, the, the original idea is because you want to help people. Yes. So, you know, he might have been looked at like a brute who would fucking slice you open quick, but, but he, he apparently he meant well. He cared yeah. because he wanted to do it quick. Um, so, actually, it was, my, yeah, that's quite a far cry from what we have today. Oh, my God. <laughs> Though my cousin was telling me that, that that's kind of what they do now like before kids go into surgery, they mm-hmm. use stuffed animals to kind of like show them explain what doing. like this is what we're gonna do and kind of lighten it up a little bit. But, oh, cool! Yeah, I had a lot more, but I'll leave yeah. it at that. All right, no good story. That really put me into it. I, I enjoyed that. Are you just saying that? No, it was. It was a good story. You did right, did very good. I need validation. I know you do. Good job, <laughs> Christopher. You, you you did us proud. I am needy as fuck. I know. <laughs> oh that was good so i told you early earlier off air that i actually titled this story and i never titled oh stories. is it about balls no there's no (laughs) balls although i can touch on something at the end there balls you can touch my touch balls balls. yep Ah. all right so as chris mentioned before we both used the same uh author for our books and I'll get into what mine was at the end. But yeah, this is, uh, here's a story. And it is titled, <clears throat> A Shitty Story Based on an Amazing Book You Should Read, Because What You're About to Hear Will Do It Zero Justice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my stop title. on your own foot there. All right. So my story will be to the point, uh, very direct. Um, I actually didn't fluff this up very much. It's pretty much just how things Nitty work. gritty. Yeah. Okay, let's hear I, it. I, 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 I I'm excited. I know what it is, kind of, so yeah. I'm really excited to hear about it. <laughs> all right. I do have a little uh, fluff up in the beginning, but the rest, there we go. So, All right, here we go. As you sit there staring into the mirror, turning your head back and forth, there's one thing that can't escape your eye, that being the tiny bump on the bridge of your nose. You hate it. It's all you can see when you look in the mirror. You want it gone, and you don't care how much it's going to cost. Now, you can still breathe just fine, and it doesn't impede your vision, but that doesn't matter. All that matters is that you hate it, and it's ugly, and it's time to go under the knife to get it fixed. You make the appointment with your surgeon so you can get that beak of yours reworked, but something strange happens on the way to your appointment. You somehow manage to get shot in the face three times from an 8mm Maxim machine gun that's poking out from a trench in the ground. That's super weird, right? Classic. (laughs) Every time I go to the doctor. Yep. 
Well, luckily, you don't have to worry about that nose job anymore because your nose has now been blown completely off your face. I did you a favor. Yep. Your face has been turned into hamburger, and all that's left is half of your lower jaw, one eyeball, and a gaping bloody hole in the middle of your face. I guess that plastic surgeon bill is going to be a little higher than you were hoping to pay. Welcome to the brutal reality of facial wounds from World War I and the process it took to fix them. This is going to be an uplifting one. (laughs) (laughs) Right? All right, so here we go. World War I was the dawn of the modern battlefield as we know it. Rifles capable of firing at thousands of feet per second, high explosive, tanks, aircraft, chemical weapons, and a slew of other very effective ways to kill your fellow man were utilized. Unfortunately for many poor souls, medical treatment for the types of wounds sustained from these instruments of war were still in the Wild West phase, with the main one of these being plastic surgery. Now, plastic surgery has been mentioned as far back as ancient Egypt, but the proper practice of it uh, was not well maintained or recorded, with only a handful of successful face repairs being documented over the years. But with the start of World War I, all that was about to change with the soon-to-be insane amount of facial injuries that thousands of young men were about to acquire in Europe. So, like you had talked about the flute playing back in the day, like there was some, some of that stuff done, but it was hardly documented. It wasn't a regular occurrence, mm-hmm. but this is, is soon to be a very regular occurrence. <clears throat> As I mentioned earlier, medical treatments for modern high-impact combat wounds were still in the Wild West phase, and there were many professionals making a name for themselves in the world of reconstructive plastic surgery. But one that stands out was a doctor by the name of Harold Gillies. Gillies was a New Zealand-born transplant living in London who practiced medicine, performed surgeries, and who also played semi-pro golf. Uh, at the <laughs> what? <laughs> he did like fucking golf. Oh, he was good. He was good. More people, like a lot of people, knew him more for being a good golfer than a surgeon early on. <laughs> I don't have any time for you fucking golfers, right? <laughs> I'm a disc golfer. <laughs> oh, here we fucking go. <laughs> If he was a disc golfer, you'd have a I'd raging, all over it. Oh, a raging heart on yeah. right now. <laughs> Come over and get some chicken. <laughs> he'll, yeah, he'll smoke a <laughs> cock for you. <laughs> all right. At the time that the Great War touched off, he was quick to volunteer his skills for the British Army. Golfing? No. Oh. Surgery. Okay. Yeah. And they happily sent him to, quote unquote, fix up some broken Tommies as the war took off. Was that oh Tommy's were that's, English? That's I love that yeah. like especially English or like old timey like they could gloss over the worst fucking thing in the world mm-hmm. like the worst thing in the world you're facing. It's like ah, I'm gonna fix these Tommies up right yeah, now. That was it. Yeah, they they they'd have slogans like oh, that. Oh, you get a little bump in your head, I huh? yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Australia. <laughs> okay. So well, he was New Zealand, so he did have a. He oh, was, I can't do New Zealand. It's a yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> I I butcher them all together. <laughs> I hear you. Muddish, we call it. Mm-hmm. All right. Early on, Gillies had taken notice that there was a huge gap in proper treatment of facial wounds that was plaguing the frontline soldiers getting sent back for treatment. So he petitioned the War Department to set up a special hospital for just treating those types of injuries, and they eventually gave him what he wanted. Knowing there was more to it than just some basic stitching, Gillies assembled special teams of surgeons, doctors, dentists, x-ray technicians, artists, and nurses 
to make sure the proper steps would be taken to fix these poor bastards properly. And they did. A lot. So let's get into how some of these surgeries may have gone. It begins with a soldier who might have gotten a little impatient waiting for the next whistle to blow, and he peeked his head over the trench to see how no man's land was looking, only to get a 198-grain bullet traveling at 2,000 feet per second right between his eye and nose. The bullet would create a massive wound cavity to the face, turning the upper molars into dust, shattering the eye socket, uh, blowing off the lower half of the jaw, laying waste to most of the nose, and turning the sinus cavity into a pile of shredded meat, all while leaving a massive gaping hole in the middle of the face. They could live from that? Yeah, bullet would exit, like, out the back <gasps> of the neck, but it'd just fucking decimate your face. Like, between the shrapnel, more, more were from shrapnel, but if you caught a bullet, a high-speed bullet to the face, the wound cavity, just the expansion of it, like, oh, boom. fuck me. The, ter- uh, the terminal okay. shock, yeah, terrible. Like, have you ever seen bullets go into ballistic gel or anything? Yes, I've watched that massive that yeah. pressure. Yeah. Imagine that in your head. Oh, okay. Okay. So the bullet wouldn't explode because it was just a regular metal jacket <sighs> bullet. Fucking but... fuck. Yeah. So it fucked you up. All right. Once the field medics got to the injured soldier, they would do what field medics were trained to do, and that was stop the bleeding. But how the fuck does one sew up a wound like this? Well, if the wounded did have enough skin to work with, the medics would literally sew your face shut and send you off. Maybe leave a little hole for you to kind of breathe. Um, If they didn't have enough material, they packed gauze into your gaping face hole and sent the patient on their way. Now, if the soldier didn't choke to death on their own blood, which was far too common due to the medical staff shipping the wounded out flat on stretchers, then they might have a fighting chance to get fixed up once they made it to the Queen's Hospital back in England, where a very long recovery process could begin. Like, yeah, it took them a while to figure out, like, don't lay down facial wounds. Makes sense. Yeah, you're just drinking blood. You drown in your own blood. Terrible. So... Upon arrival, Dr. Gillies would assess the wounds, consult his team, and then create a plan of action for facial reconstruction. An anesthesiologist would have the patient huff a chloroform-soaked gauze until they went under, and then the work could begin. This was kind of figuring out anesthesia a little better. Um, All right, so first off, Gillies might have to painfully reopen the hastily sewn-up patch job that the field medics did so he could actually have something to work with. Uh, And the soldier could have somewhere to properly take in food and air, you know, (laughs) because they like... Yeah, how the fuck do you eat? Oh, they had a lot of mushed up food. I can't stop thinking about him just using golf balls for for eyes, though. You know, because he's like, just like, by the time, like, oh, you got your old packed up there, governor. Popping like, a golf ball. looks like the fucking face from the button eyes from Coraline with just two golf balls. God. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. Once opened up, he would flush out the bacteria and pus that was forming in what was left of the sinuses and pray the swelling and infection goes down. Boom. The first of 40 surgeries had now been completed. Uh, After the swelling subsides, Gillies could then begin to craft a new nose for the soldier. To do this, he would first rob a piece of cartilage from between the rib cage then sew it into a fold of skin on the patient's scalp just below the hairline. 
This would ensure the new material got proper blood flow before it was moved again later. We'll get to that. I have an awesome nose thing, but just remind uh-huh. me by the end. We'll see if maybe you'll mention it. Okay. Uh, while a soldier's new nose was healing up on their forehead, the ENT doctor could then attempt to reconfigure their sinus cavity so that it kind of worked for the patient, and they didn't wind up spending the rest of their life choking on phlegm and blood. Once that process was worked out, the dental surgeon was next in line. They would build a new synthetic jawbone for the soldier to give the face structure, uh, to give the face structure, and then fill in any dental gaps with porcelain teeth. Now that the patient's head was starting to resemble a human head again, the finishing touches could be, then be completed. Gillies would then begin the process of moving the nose down into position. This would be done by cutting the large cutting a large flap around the cartilage pouch that would then stay attached to the scalp and be swung down into position so it could be sewn over the gaping hole where the nose once stood. So you'd have your nose getting fixed up on your forehead. Corey's touching his forehead right now. Yep. And it would they would cut flip it, it down. Flip it Just down. Just flip it right down. Yep. Like a little like it's a hinge, like, like a skin hinge. Exactly. Skin okay. hinge. Good way to put it. When you said flap when they would flap the knees. Yeah. So that was another way they they did that with flaps. So all right, where the nose once stood. Um, the attached flap section of skin would provide blood to the new healing nose. Other patches, of skin, uh, other patches of skin flaps would be cut from the neck and chest and moved up into position to give the soldier his new face. If the wounds were bad enough, uh, yeah, okay, if the wounds were bad enough requiring a large section of new skin, the flap section would be sewn at at its twist part when he would twist it up and form a tube that created a tubed pedicel on the face until the new material eventually took. So essentially, a patient might quite literally have tubes of skin going from his chest up to his face until it all healed and the tube could then be cut off. So uh, did you see anything for like when they use the bicep? They use biceps. They you, use like... Is that part of your story? No, no, but like the big thing was to get it from the head, the neck, okay. the back. I mean, because it's kind of tough well, to have was, your arm. Yeah, because did you ever face. see that picture? I, yeah, yeah, the guy used they cut off, like play his bicep and mm-hmm. strap it to his face, and yep. his hand is behind his head, and he had to like same concept, keep it there yeah. without moving it for forty fucking days. Yeah, it was the same concept. It was the wildest looking fucking thing. Yeah, that's why okay. they tried to pull it from the back, the chest, the neck, because you could still use your limbs. Yeah, you know. But yeah, same concept exactly. Maybe the atrophy or whatever from keeping your arm in one spot for forty days. Probably, yeah, it's probably terrible. <sighs> okay, sorry. All right, where was I? Okay, skin till the face it all healed. Now then, the tube could be cut off. After all the new skin is healed, healed up, a custom painted glass eyeball was popped. Fucking golf ball. A golf ball <laughs> was popped in where the old one used to be. And that's a pretty basic, common type of surgery that would happen at the Queen's Hospital. Every single case was different. Every wound was different. Everyone had to be assessed different, obviously. Yeah. But that, w- I would say, is a pretty straightforward one. For all the pictures you would see, wow, a lot of just whole faces. Absolutely terrible. So after the months, if not years, of surgery, a soldier might be lucky enough <clears throat> to regain a functioning face. There was usually varying success because every case was different. Some men looked like themselves with a few minor scars. 
but some soldiers were left with a fixed scar tissue that kind of resembled something of a face. Uh, for some, if the wounds were too atrocious, then the sculptors would be brought in to begin the process of making a custom mask. Uh, an artist would begin by taking a plaster mold of the injured face so a form could be created. And a quick side note, most patients had molds taken, so the doctors had reference materials during the reconstruction process. Okay. Like, they would mold the inside to, like, they'd pack mold in there to see what it looked like, what they were working with. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Mm. All right. The mold was then sculpted by artists to resemble the man's features. It would then be cast into thin copper layer and then into a silver layer so it wouldn't corrode away. From there, it was painted to look like the patient before they had their face blown off. The soldier could then attach it via straps or faux glasses. Uh, the masks were usually reserved for the worst cases only, though. So if something they couldn't heal up properly or it was just way too bad. Like, you know those super corny glasses with the nose? Yeah. Like you had as joke. That's where they came from? I would say a rough idea. Ugh. Yeah. All right. The entire process was incredibly long and painful for everyone involved. It required spot-on coordination from the medical team and an iron will from the patient, which a lot of them during this process usually had because they had just survived getting shot in the face or blown up. So they're just like, fuck it. What do I got Yeah, to what lose? are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, and another quick side note I forgot to include, no mirrors in the place. Oh, yeah, that would yeah. be a fucking morale booster. Yeah, no doubt. So, <laughs> God. Yep. Though the wounded were treated with the best practices they had available, it still wasn't always a happy ending. Deep depression, alcoholism, and recluse lives laid ahead for many due to the stigma surrounding being disfigured back in this era. Uh, many with horrible facial wounds would go on to live alone and not look into a mirror for the rest of their days. Also to mention, every surgery wasn't always a success with many poor souls not even making it off the table. But for every death and unsuccessful surgery, the work done at the Queen's Hospital was drastically overshadowed by all of the good that came out of the place. Most men got their sense of purpose back and could go on to live somewhat normal lives again. That is, of course, if the army didn't just throw them back to the front lines, which happened far too often. There'd be guys, like, half healed up. They're like, oh, yeah, can you see out back both eyes? Back to the eyes? meat grinder. Yep, yep. It's terrible. Mm. All right. Uh, what was essentially a plastic surgery trial and error madhouse, it really did pave the way for the modern facial reconstructive surgery, uh, with many of the practices still being utilized today. And we have Harold Gillies and his team to thank for all of it. So next time you're bitching about your undersized nose or that dimple on your chin, uh, you have to just be grateful that you have a nose and a chin that you can still use. And if it wasn't for the unfortunate fuckers who got their faces shot, burned, and maimed in World War I, uh, your high-end plastic surgeon might not exist today. So maybe just try to be happy with what you were born with and live a happy life. So that was it. Fucking terrible. World War I is, of all the wars, if you're going to research, especially modern, just terrible. The fucking, what, like, uh, the fucking charnel house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I... I I still think that like, oh, now I feel like a real dick. I <laughs> I walk I walk into your house what an hour ago or whatever. Yeah, and your wife says, "Hey, what's good?" And I said, "Not my face." 
because I had a pimple I <laughs> oh, just popped. Poor, I'm poor like zit guy. Distraught. Like I was in the mirror uh, before I came over here, and I was to so my wife and my sister were out in the kitchen, and I go, God fucking damn it! Because <laughs> I left the tissue on it too long and uh-huh. it dried, so when I peeled it off, it started, started bleeding again. Yeah, it's the worst thing that's happened to me today. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> At least you have your face. So yeah. World War One is a fucking horror show. Yes. I've said it before, but what the hell? Oh. I was it Blueprint for Armageddon, the oh, yeah. Dan Carlin series mm-hmm. is one of the best one of the the best I don't know books movies anything yeah. anything I've ever experienced in my life like it's like a thirty hour history of World War One and mm-hmm. it is like it is heartbreaking yeah definitely it is just I got it written like for anyone who like romanticizes war just re- research we- World War One. Find some of the There's, pictures. Yeah. Find some of the like, just terrible. Like, you can't even fathom the amount. Like, what was it? I think the entire Iraq and Afghanistan wars that the U.S. just spent twenty years pissing away. Mm-hmm. I think the casualties for all sides uh, involved was were established in what there was one day of fighting in mm-hmm. World War One. I. I can't remember what battle it was, but what was it? That it accomplished it. Was it tw- Close to thirty million, right? It, it, I can't. It's remember. insane. It Between is insane. Civilians amount. and everything. And yeah. I didn't. I didn't learn. I didn't know until I listened to Dan Carlin stuff that casualties doesn't mean dead That's though. Correct. It's just out of out like of they condition. can't. Pretty much, it means you can't use them anymore. A lot mm-hmm. of them were dead, but yeah. yeah. No uh, shit. So roughly like five thousand men were treated at Queens Hospital. No shit. Uh, over 100,000 surgeries, I want to say. See, that's a selfless thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, now, this, it's so, I, I, I don't know. It's, it, again, it's so fucking easy. And, yeah. like, there's so much time for, like, leisure and whatever. Like, oh, I want to do something with purpose. And in my head, like, doing something with purpose is just, like, I want to write stuff. I want to do a podcast. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, you know, something I'm going to leave a mark in the world. And, like. I do, I I do feel that way. But then you think you're like, I like these guys they, yeah. did something with purpose. I mean, no doubt, what? that's just amazing. I just think incredible. we bring some joy to the world. Makes me happy. some joy in education. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So yes, the book I read was the Face Maker from Lindsay Fitzharris. Highly recommended. I'm not like one of those gore, blood and guts, really into that type of stuff but it was very digestible it was very manageable uh, even the pictures and stuff as you got reading about it and learning about it the handful of pictures that are in the book that show examples it's like oh wow you can actually see how they did stuff and all that uh, and another thing if you don't like reading uh, there's a short youtube video called a fate worse than death uh, disfigured veterans of world war one and it pretty much goes over everything I just talked about. It's the channel is called The Great War, which that channel has some awesome content. Oh, you have to send that to me. It's all World War One based on the technology, the people, the everything. So and let's see. I think that's pretty much it for my story, but that was very good. Yeah. I, w- I would have read that book. I'm standalone anyway. Oh, it's like, from the fucking library, so I can't borrow it. I could borrow it from the library. You could I just borrow, borrow it. it from you. Exactly. <laughs> ah. Uh-huh. Here, hang on. Wait, talk for a minute. Talk uh, for a minute. Okay, so it was in it was in the new section, so I'm pretty sure no one had read it yet. And I was pretty excited about that. 
you're the first one. I know, maybe. It didn't smell like cigarettes, so that was a win. Well, that was what, a PlayStation <laughs> 4 that you got that smelled like cigarettes? No, my PS3. I oh, swear yeah. that thing blew cigarette smoke when I started it. But no, I think one of the last... Uh, I got the uh, last John Dies book series from the library, and it smelled like a fucking ashtray. It was disgusting. Um, oh, speaking of books, mm-hmm. so I I used. Hang on, let me let me get it so I can see it. Okay. So I also used the Lindsay Fitzharris book. Yeah. <laughs> the Butchering Art: Joseph Lister's Quest to Transform the Grisly World of Victorian Medicine, and then didn't talk at all about Joseph Lister. Ching. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then this one, which I'm dying to show you, I got this other one called. Uh, Crucial Interventions, an illustrated treatise on the principles and practice of 19th century surgery, which made me feel really smart. I saw some pictures. It's fucking wretched. Yeah, we started a text thread with our group of friends, and we started a new one just because so one of the girls could be- I said something to the effect of you sending pictures of your dick dressed up from a movie- and it was it you... was a very fun and light text thread. I never respond to text threads, and I decided to send a picture of a 19th century circumcision that was pretty detailed. Yeah, and that gross. ended the thread. Yep, that quickly. ended it. That yep. shut it right down. Yeah, and poor the yeah one girl that's never been on not a text in thread any before, group. Yeah, she finally gets let in, and that's what she gets. Yep, so. probably yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hanging there's a with... whole chapter in this book called genitals. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty thrilled about it. Ah, uh, no, that was great. It was a good story. That was awesome. Do we have anything else? Uh, no, just the usual closeout stuff. You know, thank you for listening and all that stuff. And send us your questions, please. We want to do another Q&A. We had a lot of fun doing the last Q&A. Uh, for next month, we have a surprise. Actually, you don't know about this. I've been, oh. I've been doing some behind-the-scenes stuff behind your back. Okay. It what might be our first collaboration episode oh really yeah i'm working out the logistics now no shit yeah am i gonna be there yes you have okay. to be there fantastic uh-huh. i know who it's with yes okay so we can't say anything oh i won't say anything no don't I, say anything. I, I don't want to set any like because i think i can get it to go through our recorder and into the computer and all that shit like if anyone were technical i'm sure it would be no problem but me the 38 year old guy who grew up with dial-up internet that i didn't even get till i was 13 <laughs> you'll figure it out i have figure it out i have confidence in you yeah um i, I got us think... this far yeah yeah <laughs> fuck yeah uh, uh you anything else uh no just uh share the show uh the q a and consider the anchor fm thing that would be cool and share it. Yeah, just share it. That'd be the big one. What? You just remembered something. I just remember it's tell- Halloween tomorrow. It is Halloween tomorrow. I hope everybody has an awesome Halloween. I hope yes. it's really spooky. Have We've a been spooky never had a spooky one. month. Go watch a scary movie. Oh, are you- we're not going to watch one tomorrow because it's a work day, but we're going to watch one tonight. What are you watching tonight? I don't know yet, but I was just thinking because we-, we got Shudder this month. Uh, and uh, so we watched a lot of spooky movies, and I've been like making Mandy just watch stuff that she doesn't want to watch. Uh-huh. We finally got to watch the movie Mandy, and yeah, she was, hated it. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was uh, whatever. I watched The Boys from County Hell the other day, and it was such thick Irish accents that I couldn't understand most of Told it. Told you to turn on the uh, captions. Hey, I got a spooky idea. I wanted to run by you. Since Let's we haven't been doing soft serves, can I throw this out there? Let's hear it. So. I Which think, I want to get back into. I'll yes. talk to you off air about um, that. That would be Pompidou. Uh, so, okay. 
Mandy gets a little spooked sometimes when we watch like scary stuff, but it's a yes. lot easier with Ginny, with Ginny on the couch. Uh-huh. So I had an idea of doing it, and nobody take this. Nobody take this. <laughs> Another idea that someone's going to steal. I had an idea that if we did, we do an outdoor theater, mm-hmm. and it's it's. But you can bring your if as long as your dogs are good with other dogs, people. You bring your dog for comfort, and you watch horror movies, and we'll call it Scaredy Pups. Scaredy Pups. Yeah, that, that would be fun. Do you like that? That's good. Yeah. But what if the dog like it does okay with other dogs, but it doesn't like the jump scares and the loud noises and all that? Well, only do slow burn psychological <laughs> horror. <laughs> so, Mandy or Cujo? Uh, yeah. No, that probably wouldn't go over well with dogs. No, Cujo would not go. No. That would not be good. If you could have a rabid dog night, we only bring rabid dogs and Terrible we'll watch Terrible decision. Cujo. You will be in prison for negligence. Pet cemetery. Pet cemetery. There, there you, you go. go. Yep. Airbud. We're gonna Airbud. We're gonna do um, the witch. Well, oh, it's a fucking killer movie. I well, love the witch. The Vivich. The Vivich. Yep. I got nothing else. That's a good one. So, no, that's it. Again, thank you guys. Uh, I had a joke about dolphins, but I'll save it for the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you on the next one. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll uh, we'll see you. What? Do we, wait. Why? Why do you? Have Bye, to everybody. End? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Bye for now. Um.